this is Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast, episode 50, World Series Preview. It's happening! Recorded on October 24th, 2016. Hello and welcome to Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast. As always, with your host, me, Matt Lyons, and Jason Lucart. Jason in the World Series. <laughs> I don't know. There's no reason. There's no asking anything. There's no other introduction. The Indians are in the World Series. First time in since 1997. Cubs haven't been there a little bit longer, which we're going to hear about forever for the next week. But how excited are you? Uh, really excited. But I mean, before I get into that, I mean, we joke about our age difference, which... So how old were you in 1997? I was seven. <laughs> My okay. age always matches up with the last number. It's easy. Right. All right. So we're a full 10 years apart. Yeah. Um, so 1997 was my senior year of high school. Oh, uh, and as I've talked about before, I, you know, I grew up just outside Chicago, uh, became an Indians fan because they were my T-ball team when I was six, seven and eight. Uh, I literally didn't have a conversation with another Indians fan until I was in my 30s. Uh, so for me, my Indians fandom was always a very solitary thing. Uh, and I remember being in high school, watching those games, uh, you know, skipping out on going out with my friends to stay home and watch, you know, ALCS games that no one else I knew cared about uh, and watching game seven of the 97 World Series alone uh, and then going and crying in the shower after they <laughs> lost. Game seven. So I've been waiting for high school, Jason years. For something other than crying in the shower about the Indians to be in the World Series, uh, so I'm I'm really excited to see them back. And, and this is such I know every team that makes the World Series is likable for their fans, um, but I really feel like this is a really likable team. There, there's there's just so many fun personalities. Uh, I, I feel like no matter what happens the next. 10 days and no matter what happens the next 10 years this year's team is always going to be really special to everyone who's following along oh for sure i was i was almost going to write something like that like just think of how you're feeling now and just bottle it up and remember it no matter what happens but i was afraid to come across as like saying the Indians are going to lose but no matter what happens already it's been awesome there's so many fun players on this team and they're going to be here for a while other than napoli of course might not be here next year but so many of the the key exciting players are going to be around. And then we just sort of add more players next year. <laughs> this World Series team is going to sign three All-Stars next season. <laughs> I know you said that way before I did, but it's it's, it's going to happen. It's going to be Brantley, Carrasco, and Salazar. They're going to be so much better. I do have to admit, I, I wasn't crying in the shower as a seven-year-old, but I was also sort of in like the height of my Ken Griffey Jr. admiration. So I was more of like an Indians follower and watcher. Does that make sense? Well, that's why I ask, because I wondered. I mean, you were young enough to be aware of what was going on, mm-hmm. but yeah, probably not old enough to be. I mean, kids can get really invested in stuff, but I don't yeah. know. High, like teenagers can get so overly invested in everything. In some ways, that's like you know your peak emotional time. So I, I don't think I'll cry in the shower <laughs> next weekend if the Indians lose the World Series. Uh, I think I now if they win, you have to cheer in the shower and your wife like needs to record it with the with the curtain closed, but just we'll see her arm raise above the curtain. <laughs> cheering. I don't have to have nightmares about the shower anymore. <laughs> yeah, my whole thing when I was little is maybe until I was a teenager, a little older, was always just following players. Like one of the first books I read was a book that Shaq wrote, but I, I was bored. <laughs> I just wanted to say that I was reading a book, so I read every other page. So I don't remember anything about it, but that's one of the first things I read. And then I love Ken Griffey Jr. And 
Martin Brodeur. So, like every sport was just following a player basically. Until I realized there's no way Shaq actually wrote that book. Oh no, absolutely not. I should find it. It's it's just like really basic. It's a kid's book, so I'm sure he didn't. But when I was little, I thought he did because he was on the cover. Oh yeah. That's all His name is probably on it, like he wrote it. Oh, yeah, everywhere. But, yeah, um, we're not going to spend too long on the ALCS, but we should talk about the fact that uh, the Indians, there's no way, there's no way they're going to win the ALC, AC, uh, ALCS, right? I mean, it's the Blue Jays. They're the best. They have Josh Donaldson, Jose Batista. Nope. <laughs> the Indians won 4-1. to one. Andrew Miller was amazing. Trevor Bauer sliced his hand on a drone. Ryan Merritt was great, and everybody bought him wedding gifts. There were so many things in the ACLS that were fun and exciting. Even the Indians' first loss was kind of a dud, but <laughs> just another thing to extend it. Because we wouldn't have the whole Ryan Merritt start and all that lore if that didn't happen. So it all kind of, for a reason almost. So what do you think of the ALCS? Uh, well, I enjoyed it. I, uh, I was not above stressing out when they lost the one game, though. Uh, <laughs> it didn't take much for me to worry just because, you know, they'd used Kluber on short rest. So then there was... Game five, at least in theory, felt like it was going to be a mess. Uh, but yeah, I mean, to me, what was amazing is the offense really didn't do much. And I wrote the day of game five that, you know, hey, they only need one more win, but the offense has to stop scoring two runs a game. And sure enough, they scored three runs in game five. <laughs> they, they showed you. One, huh? They would have won. Uh, <laughs> the pitching was just incredible. And Andrew Miller, understandably, getting the most attention. Uh, I think he threw seven and two thirds shutout innings in. Uh, in his four games, uh, Cody Allen was great. Uh, Corey Kluber, of course, did well. Josh Tomlin continues that up. Mer- I mean, Merritt, who you already mentioned. If you, I mean, the Indians winning a shutout, uh, pitching a shutout when no pitcher got more than five outs, which had never happened in the postseason. And anytime you do anything good that's never been done in the postseason, uh, again, to score as few runs as they did and beat a team with that much firepower in its lineup. Uh, the pitching was just incredible. Oh, all around. And everybody talks about, rightfully so, is that how well Tito managed Andrew Miller. But like watching the Cubs series and the Cubs and the Dodgers, I can't remember who it was so long. I think it was Kershaw, not in his last start, but the one before it. They left him in too long. But Francona could have done the same thing with Ryan Merritt. He was like perfect through a couple innings. He only threw four and a half or four and a third. And I don't think he had that many pitches. But he took him out anyway because it was going over, rolling over the lineup and turning Andrew Miller. That's really smart, and that's not something a lot of managers would do, I would think. If he's pitching that well, they just kind of assume he's going to keep doing it for whatever dumb reason, even though it's a thing that when you go through a lineup more and more, especially when you're young, you get knocked around. And Francona got ahead of that and put Andrew Miller in, which is always a good idea. So there's just so many smart things Francona did in that series. Mainly Andrew Miller, of course, but his management in Game 5 was really good, I think. Yeah, I mean, his management in the postseason has been incredible. And I think, and I say this as someone who has criticized Francona for various little things, you know, in his four years with the team. And I'm sure occasionally I will continue to do that. But I feel like at this point, 99% of the criticism of Francona, it's just like enough. There should be no more of it. Um, I mean, he's earned just, just the fact that all the stuff we can't understand as outsiders that goes into a managing a team in terms of like the personalities and what the clubhouse is like. Um, this team is in the postseason in a lot of ways playing so far over its head just with the injuries they've had to overcome. And Francona deserves a ton of credit for that. He's put the players in the position to do this and have this level of confidence and this level of camaraderie. Uh, and so the occasional bunt that we don't like, I just feel like, no, we like at this point as Indians fans, 
just swallow it. Francona is a fantastic manager. None of us have any business arguing otherwise. And that doesn't mean he's, you know, every decision's perfect, but uh, Terry Francona is the best manager we've seen the Indians have. He's, if not the best, one of the two or three best managers in the major leagues. Uh, and we should all be really, really happy he's the Indians manager. Yep. I, I do wonder if in the offseason, what changed? Because he definitely had issues with keeping bullpens way too rigorous in the past. And their Indians are bunting a lot less now. I wonder if he just sat down and looked at it himself. Or, I mean, there's a million people in the Indians front office we don't know about that could have talked to him. But something kind of clicked and changed there. It just shows how good he is that he can adapt that well to getting new information. Which is a whole and step also, above. You know, I mean, the whole thing came up that you know Lindor is a rookie who like, I think led the American League and sacrificed bunts, even though he didn't come up until like midseason <laughs> yeah. almost. And then it came out that he was mostly just bunting on his own, and Francona felt like letting him do that if that's what he wanted to do in those situations. And again, like you know, the the relationship Lindor has with his teammates and his sense of himself as a player. Um, I, you know, it doesn't mean every tactical choice is automatically not to be questioned. I don't want to say that. But, you know, again, there, there was a purpose to a lot of that stuff that we understandably can't really know about. Uh, and at this point, I just feel like he's done so many things well. So many players have kind of outperformed our expectations uh, in the last four years and this year and this month especially. Uh, I, I feel like I'm sort of done criticizing Francona. Yeah, I've, I've been done, <laughs> I think, most of the season. I'd like to bring up a very important tweet by John Heyman just now. He asked, is Millie Vanilli in? That was literally it. I just saw it on my desktop pop up. <laughs> I just thought we should all know. I'm sure they'll have context by the time this comes out, but sometimes I love John Heyman just because the random weird things he tweets. <laughs> that just seemed important for the moment. I like to say things like that. He's like texting someone who doesn't realize <laughs> he's tweeting. <laughs> At least it's not Peter Gammon's butt tweeting, which I don't I think he does as much anymore. Much anymore. Yeah. Anyway, screw all that. World Series, Jason. Holy crap. Has it even remotely set in yet for you? Uh, yeah, no, it definitely has set in for me. Uh, in part um, because since I'm in Chicago, the Cubs aspect to it has made the World Series feel very, very real. Uh, I work somewhere with a massive number of Cubs fans, some of whom were Cubs fans uh, a month or two ago, and some of whom have just recently become Cubs fans. But uh, <laughs> a lot yeah, of I'm... I'm very aware. Uh, it feels very real for me. Yeah. How about it does, you? It's a weird thing. Like, when you're looking at it far away, it seems like... There's an analogy somewhere, but I can't think of it. I don't know. Like, when you're far away, it seems like this weird... I don't know. Distant thing. But when it's just happening, it just it just happens. Like, it's just another game. Even just watching it, it sort of feels like another game. Um, I guess I understand more why they, when they say it feels like that when they play it, because watching it sort of does, too. But like when you're looking far away, it seems like a grand, big spectacle. But it's just more baseball, which is really cool, I think. And it's For fun me, to finally I, be watching. I'm really play. happy the Indians clinched first and then had a few days. Oh, yeah. because it was much easier to just kind of to bask in the enjoyment of winning the pennant. Um, and then a few days later, you know, having the Cubs clinch. For me, the Cubs, the Cubs clinching is sort of what made it feel real because now there like was an actual opponent to play and that sort of stuff. It wasn't just oh, like yeah, this nebulous American League champions. This is it. Uh, so for me, Saturday night watching that game and it pretty early on became clear who was going to win that game. <laughs> I had about uh, forty-eight hours of it feeling real. Sort of on that subject, did you see a thing that uh, Grant Brisby wrote on SB Nation that was like a 
the title was Cubs lose game six in dramatic fashion in parentheses pre-write yeah, do not post. posted it right after the game. <laughs> yeah, that was the best. Some people in the comments didn't get it, which was also the best. But it was just that, and then it said, like, Cubs lose by, in parentheses, number of runs. and Right. It's a thing we've all kind of done is pre-writing, and then just you have to change it at the very Grant end. Grant also but. wrote his annual uh, Dodgers don't win World yes. Series for 20 consecutive season. <laughs> yeah, those are great. I just love that he's still like professional enough to write, but still petty enough to write stuff like that. <laughs> it should be everybody's goal, I think. Uh, so, sort of again on that subject, who has the better story? Do you? Th- I get. I'm probably probably know your answer because it's my answer too. But um, the Cubs, since they've clinched, all we've heard about, all we've heard about all season is how long they haven't been in a World Series. Of course, they haven't won since 1908, and the last appearance was 1945. And the Indians, I've heard people refer to it now as a little drought. <laughs> Like on, I listen to Movie Network Radio because I guess I hate myself and it's just noise in the car. But like they said, the Cubs have a hundred year old drought and the Indians have a little one too. Like really, it's like sixty years. <laughs> but their own last was nineteen forty eight and the last appeared nineteen ninety seven. So each team has that going for them, but in a bad way. Uh, but then of course the Indians. The big difference between the two teams is payroll. The Cubs are not some scrappy little underdog. They are a juggernaut. They signed a bunch of huge free agents, including Jason Hayward, who. His bat isn't working at all. He's all defense at this point. But the Indians, with the payroll that they have, which is always in the lowest, I would say lowest top five in the century, basically, they had to get smart signings that fit and smart trades. They're just a much more intelligently put together team, I think. And we already talked about at the top of the episode how likable everybody is. So I think that plays a huge part in just how good their story is and that it's so much better than the Cubs. Do you agree or do I have to end this podcast right now? Uh, I'll say this. I, they're both really good stories. I think to some extent you're selling the Cubs short in that the Indians aren't a much better put together team. They're a team put together with much more limited resources. And that's significant. But the Cubs are a really well put together team. Yeah. And while they were able to sign a lot of big free agents, um, you know, most of their lineup is guys, you know, they drafted or signed as amateurs and did a really good job of developing uh, so while the money is the significant factor, I think the Cubs front office deserves a lot of credit. I think both of these front offices have done a tremendous job. The Cubs front office happens to have a lot more financial resources, um, but they haven't blown those resources. And they haven't just set up a team that's going to be good this year. The Cubs are probably going to be good for a while. Uh, so ultimately, I do think the Indians are a better story. They're the legit underdog Um you know, the Cubs not having made the World Series is a much bigger difference. In terms of who's won the World Series, no Indians fan who's younger than like 75 remembers <laughs> them winning the World Series in 1948. So you can spare me that like the Cubs fans are longer <laughs> suffering in terms of that. Cubs fans who are, you know, my age or younger aren't any longer suffering than Pirates fans or Brewers fans or Orioles fans or, you know, a dozen teams. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I think the Indians are the better story just in there, like a legitimate underdog, not just for the history, but also they're a small market, fairly small revenue, small payroll team. Um, but the Cubs are a great story, too. It's, it's annoying to have our great story so overshadowed. And I think that's the real issue is they're both great stories, but the Cubs great story is getting way more attention, which feels bogus. Yeah. And you're talking about payroll. They did kind of prove over the last 10 years that you can still have a bad team with a huge payroll. So, yeah, as a lot of dumped money on themselves and won. 
I mean, I get me wrong. I would love to have the Indians suddenly be able to add an extra 80 million in payroll. And I think with their front office, they'd have a fantastic team if they could do that. Um, but yeah, it doesn't guarantee anything. And I think even when you compare to other good payroll teams, uh, you know, the Cubs still have way more homegrown talent than most of, you know, the Dodgers, um, you know, have brought in a lot of big guys and haven't had quite this much success. Um, you know, the Yankees have continued to spend money and have won one World Series in the last 15 years now. Uh, you know, so the Cubs have done a great job. The Indians have done a great job. That should be a 50-50 storyline. They've both gone a long time without winning. That should be a 50-50 storyline. So it's annoying that the Cubs are 90% of the narrative right now. But there's nothing we can do about that. There is something fun to feel like, oh, it's the world against us. And I feel like Cleveland fans are pretty comfortable in that position. So I feel like we should just embrace being overlooked and hope the Indians win four more games. Yeah, and there's there's nothing wrong Um uh, the whole of them getting the whole story side of things is bogus, but there's absolutely nothing wrong with people picking the Cubs to win. That's not no. like a stupid disrespect to Cleveland thing. The Cubs are like the best team <laughs> in a decade. Yeah. A long time. I, not right. Yep. Yeah. If the Indians win, it is an upset. There's no, there's nothing around that. It's the first, the ALDS and the ALCS were both upsets. They can upset three in a row, but yep. that doesn't mean they're suddenly a better team because they upset two teams in a row. Right. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like Anyone who's making a prediction for this series shouldn't even have to say, and yes, anything can happen in a seven-game series, so I wouldn't be shocked if I'm completely wrong about this. But yeah, I mean, the most likely, the Cubs have a massive amount of talent. Uh, the Indians have a lot of talent, too, but they don't have as much. Um, but that's if the Indians win, none of that matters. The the winners are the winners. The, you know, the, the Indians had the most talent in 1995, and they didn't win. And while we probably... Shouldn't let that bother us that much. It does bother these fans because we want to win the World Series. Uh, the Cubs are the better team, but whoever wins is going to be the World Series champion. Yep. Either way, if the Indians win, people are going to go back and dig up tweets and go, ha ha, look at you picking the team that's better on paper to win. <laughs> Which I think is great that like there are people out there whose favorite team wins. And the first thing they can think to do is try to find people they can tell we're wrong. Like, don't, like just, just enjoy your own team winning. Yeah, like, why is your pleasure in this have to come from trying to make someone else miserable about it? <laughs> well, I get some pleasure out of that, too. But not going back and digging up stuff to make people miserable. Watching people be miserable. I like standing back and watching other fans be miserable for a little bit. <laughs> but I don't want to be the one causing it. I'll go to a Browns game. <laughs> not that miserable. Just a little bit. I like panning shots of sad fans of other teams. <laughs> and Jonathan Lucroy on a mattress and tweet. <laughs> So uh, the biggest story, whether it should be or not, probably for the World Series, is returning players from injury. Uh, the Indians obviously have Danny Salazar. It was announced today he's going to be on the roster. We don't know what, what he'll be doing. He's returning from elbow fatigue. He was out since September. He could be a starter, reliever. He might be paired with Merritt somehow. And then Kyle Schwarber, people are tracking him on a plane right now from Arizona to Cleveland. I actually saw somebody tweet the like because you can follow all the plane routes. So they're following him. He's going to be with the team and probably DH probably won't be very effective, probably won't be a big deal in the playoff, in the World Series. But, of course, it's a huge story. So do you think either of these guys are going to have a huge impact for either team? Um, well, I mean, the thing about Schwarber, he'll just DH. So I don't think he'll play in games three, four. I mean, he'll pinch hit. But he's just going to bat. He's, I don't think he's going to be able to run anything like full speed. Um, I think, you know, if he gets 
in a game where he pinch hits, if he gets a single or legs out a double, he'll be immediately replaced with a pinch runner. In a game where he starts, he's going to be very station to station. Uh, I'm pretty confident he's healthy enough to hit the ball over the fence and take 45 seconds to get around the bases if need be. So I'd rather he weren't coming back. I think he's a bigger threat than whoever he's replacing on the roster. Uh, he doesn't concern me as much as some of their other players, but I wish he needed an extra week to get back. Salazar, I just don't know. I mean, in a perfect world, the Indians barely need him. I mean, they, they just won two postseason series without him, and hopefully things go that way again. Um, if he's starting a game, I'll feel pretty uncomfortable about it, but I was also pretty uncomfortable with Ryan Merritt, and we saw what he did. So... Um, if I had to bet on one of them to have a big moment, it would be Schwarber, but I don't anticipate either of them being World Series MVP or anything like that. You know, Salazar isn't going to be put in a position, I don't think, where he's going to ha- be able to have a massive impact because maybe he starts the game and goes two or three innings, uh, or maybe he's used in relief a couple times, but he's not going to be, he's not like bumping Andrew Miller from those innings or anything like that. So. I hope not. We'll see. I, I, you know, just like I wish, you know, for the Cubs, I think it's an upgrade over whoever he's replacing. Same thing. I'd rather have Salazar on the roster than Cody Anderson because if Cody Anderson's pitching a game, something's gone really wrong for the Indians. And Danny Salazar, I think, you know, has if one of them's going to do something, you know, helpful like three scoreless innings, I think it would be him. Yeah, I think the biggest thing he can do is he can absorb innings if he has to, even if they're not great innings. He can just take up a few innings of space, especially if in the middle in the middle of games, like Andrew Miller has been worn out in the first couple, just give him a break. If the innings are ahead, not about to be eliminated. So I don't think either I'm going to be MVP. Like you said, um, I don't even think Salazar will start. I think it's going to be Merritt again, maybe Clevenger, but one of those two, he just hasn't been so good in so long. And he's only thrown simulated games. And he just started throwing off speed stuff again. Yeah. It's just a I, huge I, question I got to think if, if the Indians are trailing, I think Kluber comes back on short rest for game four. Um, although at that point, then you're also committing to either Bauer and Tomlin on short rest, or you're still using, you know, like they did in the ALCS, you're just pushing it to game five. And I think, I think it would be right there. I mean, as well as he pitched in the ALCS, it would be a little weird to use a fourth starter and not use the guy who just pitched four plus shutout innings. Yeah. I'd uh, just ride the hot hand in the playoffs. Why not? Yeah, <laughs> I know but, hot no, streaks don't matter, in, but he was good, so who cares? He gets into trouble early, then you're right. Salazar can come in. You know, Clevenger potentially can come in. Um, you know, you can get through a significant number of innings without getting into, you know, the heart of your bullpen. Um, and the Indians already proved that against the the Blue Jays and the Trevor Bauer start when he. Yeah, and then you know, if the game is close by the time you're getting out of those guys, then you go to you go to Miller. Uh, you go to the, the top of the bullpen, or if things have gotten out of hand and you're losing by five runs, then you just save those guys for the next night and you know use your lesser relievers for the end of the game. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think if the Indians are ahead, then yeah, they probably start Merritt for Game Four. Um, we'll see. It'll be an interesting debate when the time comes because, of course, the thing about starting Clue Run short rest for Game Four is, and you can have them for short rest in Game Seven if you want them, and there's all that, but. Uh, yeah, it's hard to sort of play out all those scenarios before the first game has even begun. Yeah, I was nervous about Kluber starting on short rest in the ALCS, and I think it would be in the World Series, too, because if you're already down 1-2 and then you lose that game, right? and then you have Kluber on short rest again, <laughs> it's going to get really choppy really quick. I almost think I'd rather have Merritt go and then Kluber on full rest, no matter what, unless they're like down 0-3. But if it's 1-2, I think I would side with wanting to do Merritt over Kluber. Yeah. Do you mean no matter what? If they're trading, you'd rather do Kluber? Or you think they'll do Kluber? 
Uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess it depends a little bit on how the games have gone too. Like, yeah. you know, did you did you win game three by having Andrew Miller throw forty pitches again, and you're figuring he's not really going to do much in game four, or did you know Miller not have to pitch it? So there, there, again, I think there's just a lot of factors. I don't think there's any reason to decide your game four starter until game three is ended. Um, if the Indians are ahead, I think you just keep everyone on full rest. If they're behind, uh, you know, then I think it just sort of depends on the, the particulars of how you've gotten behind and how game three went. So any other little oddities you think that might come up in the World Series? That's really all we had for a preview, just 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 watch the games <laughs> they're yeah, coming I mean, up i don't know we've previewed the indians so many times you know who they are the cubs you probably know what they are but any other weird oddities you think might come up no real oddities uh, you know the indians did not hit well in the alcs um so i think the offense is going to have to be better um the cubs have better pitching than anyone you know top to, in terms of the rotation uh and better defense than anyone so they're a tough team to score against but it's I, I, I don't think the Indians are going to keep winning games where they're only giving up, you know, zero runs, no one run, things like that. Um, in terms of oddities, no, you know, there's John Lester, who I don't think he's thrown over. Like he famously doesn't throw over to first base. So like a no. base runner is basically he'll dare you to take as big a lead off as he wants. He just doesn't throw over. But guys, there's actually not a ton of stolen bases off him either. But the Indians are a fantastic base running game. He's going to be pitching game one. He'll be back for game five. Uh, you know, base runners are probably going to be few and far between against him. I'd like to see the Indians, you know, try to kind of take advantage of his whatever mental block about throwing over there and be aggressive on the bases. Um, you know, every run's going to be so big. So I feel like taking the extra base when you can uh, will be a big thing to watch for. Yeah, it's of course a big coincidence, but the fact that Rajai Davis was the last one to make him throw over before he went two years without ever doing it, I thought that was neat. <laughs> I found that by accident this morning. Well, and I wonder, you know, I mean, Francona managed him for a long time, and there was interesting know. stuff just today that came out that, uh, you know, and Francona was saying, oh, you know, that stuff was kind of just starting to come up my last year there. But I feel like we did a really good job of keeping it under wraps so other teams weren't aware that he wasn't throwing over really yet. So it's interesting that Francona does, you know, have some like up close contact with it. And I don't know that that really gives the Indians any significant leg up on it, but it certainly doesn't seem like it would hurt. Uh, you know, Lester's a great postseason pitcher. You look at his postseason numbers, he hasn't gotten as much attention as, you know, Bumgarner's the guy in the last few years. And of course, you know, guys like Kurt Schilling and, uh, you know, John Smoltz and guys like that. Um, but John Lester's been great in the postseason. So it would be whatever little edge or helpful piece of information the Indians might have uh, would be a boost against him. Yeah, it's probably not something we can tell from the outside, but maybe it's just some little thing he can he can see and tell Davis, whoever's on base. That'll be really fun to watch either way. As long as Rajai Davis can actually get on base. He's like one hit on playoff so far. But he will probably be the leadoff batter tomorrow. Just because Lester's a lefty, yeah, I'd be surprised to see Francona go against that in the yeah, I would too. <laughs> first game of the World Series. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting because he's the best base stealer, you know. And, and there's something to be said for having your best base stealer on the bench for a potential late game situation where you want a stolen base. But yeah, that's not how Francona has used him against lefties. Um, but Lester's also the only lefty starter, so Davis will probably be on the bench for games two, three, four, and then if it goes that far, uh, six and seven. We should also mention Carlos Santana was taking balls in left field. So, yeah, ready for that. that. 
I love Carlos, and I hate the idea of him sitting out a World Series game. It's just another reason for people to hate him if he's out there. Because he's not going to be good. (laughs) Yeah, it just feels like a recipe for... I've seen enough bad things happen in left field at Wrigley without wanting to see Carlos Santana try it in a World Series game. And that's the kind of thing where if he he messes up there, it's going to follow him for a long time. And Francona. You want to talk about what Francona could do to kind of undo all of the currency he's gained with most fans. Uh, A player completely out of position making a really bad play. Yeah. So hopefully he was just... Michael Velas in center field. Yeah. (laughs) Or Michael Martinez in center field. I think I'd rather just have Carlos play first base in the National League games. I'm more confident yeah, in him than Napoli. I think he'll point. start games three and five when the Cubs have righties going, and Napoli will start game four just because that's what it was in interleague play all season. Um, yeah, I, I like Santana's bat against a lefty as much as I like Napoli's at this point. I would just be surprised to see Francona go against that at this point. And, you know, there's something to be said for having your – what I would consider best hitter on the bench for a big moment for one game. Um, it's not the end of the world, but it is one, just one of those weird, you know, world series things that every year, the American league team, if their DH is, you know, a standard DH or they have a job share like the Indians do, you just kind of sort of lose that guy. It's something NL team don't have to deal with. You know, they obviously have to find a DH, but if you make the world series, you've probably got some sort of passable hitter on your bench you can use. You know, maybe Santana can take a chip on his shoulder that he didn't get um, cast for young Lindo Carbosian because <laughs> yeah. he should have got that. Have they seen the Photoshop? I was sending J.J. Abrams all my notes, but... <laughs> I can imagine you just tweeting him screenplays. <laughs> so this is where Carlos Santana comes in. Have you seen this guy? <laughs> of course, Carlos Santana is probably like... Well, I don't know. I have no idea how old the characters are going to be in that movie. I have no idea how Donald Glover is either. And this is a world series. Donald Glover is off. Donald Glover is Lando Carlosian fan fiction right now. <laughs> That's all for the summer or the winter. We'll have plenty of time to talk about that stuff. So um, we're going to have a lot more World Series stuff in the questions. So let's just get to those. Uh, every right. Monday now, yeah. we're going to be asking Facebook and Twitter questions. You guys sent a ton this time. <laughs> I asked a couple times to try to get a lot, and I got a lot. Luckily, they all mostly World Series. Um, a couple are about next year. We'll just pocket those for later. But for now, we mostly want to focus on what's coming up in the next week. So I'm just going to kind of go back and forth between Twitter and Facebook. We'll answer a bunch, try to get as many as we can. If we have an answer where it's like a really quick one, don't worry about it. Just <laughs> give an answer and we'll keep going. So we'll start with Kevin Hobson on Facebook. He wants to know, when they get to Chicago, obviously the rules change a little bit. That being said... Do you think they go Napoli both days at first base? Do they switch up between Napoli and Santana based on who's pitching for the Cubs? We just answered that. Yeah, there's no way Napoli plays every day. I know his reputation, at least on defense, is that he's better. For me, watching them both all season, I don't feel like there's a huge difference between the two defensively. And even if there were, uh, there's no way Napoli's starting all three of those games. Uh, I'd be really surprised if Santana wasn't the first baseman for games three and five. If, if either of the guys were to start off three, it would be Santana, not Napoli. Yep. Agreed. Uh, hopefully this one, I'm hoping you looked it up because I didn't. Um, Allison Marie 658 on Twitter wants to know, how many times in the interleague era have teams that met during the regular season ended up meeting in the World Series? I think she might be thinking the Cubs and Indians played in 2016, but they didn't. So that doesn't apply this year. But do you know how many offhand? I don't, up? but I mean, it's got to be pretty significant. I mean, anytime it's two teams from the same geographical divisions, they'll almost always have played. Like, 
this year they didn't, but usually they will have. Uh, no, Allison, I will I will look that up and try to I'll drop that into the comments beneath the uh, the, the podcast post on Let's Go Drive tomorrow or today by the time this guy gives, time this goes up. There is the neat note that Lester and Kluber have faced each other before, which I don't. That's got to be really rare, I would think. Not only well facing each other on the teams that they're on now. I think it's got to be pretty rare, right? Yeah, that would probably. I mean, because yeah, yeah. at that, well, yeah. I mean, because now they've been the like division rivals in the past, but playing each other at team. some point, but they have to be lined up correctly. I, I mean, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a little less rare than we think, but it's it's we you on your fingers the number of times I'm sure. Yep. Uh, back up to Facebook ones. Where are we? So Will Darling wants to know what if the players, what have the players been doing for the last five days to stay in game shape for the World Series? I don't know. Reading Let's Go Tribe and listening to old podcasts, I'm assuming. Well, I know some of them were <laughs> playing in a simulated game for Danny Salazar to pitch uh, Sunday. And I know Roberto Perez hit a home run off Danny Salazar. Ooh, yeah, he did. Simulated game. So I don't know if that tells us something about Roberto or that tells us something about Danny. And I, was, I don't know what's normal for simulated games. I think normally a guy's pitching a simulated game well, his teammates are like playing an actual game that day. And so he's pitching against like minor leaguers. It seemed a little weird to me that Roberto Perez and I'm sure some of his teammates uh, were facing 96, 97 mile per hour, you know, pitches from a guy with some rust. I mean, maybe it's normal, but can you imagine it? Like if, if, if Salazar hit Perez and broke his hand or something like that two days before the World Series started, what like a, I was surprised to find out that guys who were going to start a World Series game in 48 hours were, were going against that level of live pitching. I don't know who else was doing that. Uh, otherwise, they're apparently shagging fly balls out of position. Um, <laughs> I don't know what else they're doing. And yeah, the live game thing, um, I mean, the Indians just had Bradley Zimmer get hit in the hand, Jan Gomes get hit in the hand, and Carlos Carrasco get hit in the hand by a comebacker, so... You'd think they'd be a little scared of that. <laughs> yeah. And, and when I, I mentioned it on Twitter and other people were like, oh, well, you know, the hitters have to get in like, you know, game situation hitting. But I, guess. I don't know. Do they? Like, it's not like during the all-star break they're like they're doing that. And I, I get that starting the second half of the season is not the same level of importance or intensity as the World Series. But I, I don't know. Like, I, this is, I guess, a situation I just don't know where I just don't know what's normal. But it seemed a little odd to me, like I said, that they had starters facing a guy doing what Salazar is doing. But apparently the yeah. big injury risk from the last few days has been Jason Kipnis almost killing himself celebrating with Francisco Lindor after they won the ALCS. <laughs> that was so, so scary. That's so close. the most dangerous thing you can do. <laughs> Stay in a bubble. You're not able to jump. Um, here on Boyd on Twitter wants to know, how many total pitchers would you keep on the roster? I don't know. What would they have <laughs> like Eight pitchers so far? <laughs> I mean, you keep more than that, obviously, but... Yeah. yeah, I mean, I feel like with three games in an NL park where you don't have the DH, I feel like you want a little deeper bench there. You know, you're almost certainly going to be pinch hitting at least once, if not twice. Um, yeah, I mean, you only need four starters, and they might only use three. Uh, you know, you're going to have Merritt on the roster either way. I think Clevenger's on the roster. I, there's no way I'd go more than 11 pitchers. I, I don't think it'll be fewer than that either, but I'd, I'd rather have, you know, like five position players on the bench for those NL games. And since you can't, other than injuries, change the roster during the series, I think that's the way I'd go. Just to have the flexibility to, to pinch run, to pinch hit, you know, play some matchups a little bit. 
Um, if you're using your 12th pitcher, and I know the Indians had a shutout where no one got more than five outs, but if you're using your 12th pitcher, that game's a wreck at that point anyway. Uh, I don't yeah. feel like you should plan for the 19-inning game where you have an actual use for that many pitchers. <laughs> yep, I agree. More position players because of stupid NL and strategy, <laughs> which I still hate. Hopefully this series, some reason, just for some reason, makes people realize, hey, look, pitchers hitting are dumb. Let's let's all have a DH now. I would love that. <laughs> so next one's going to be, where are we? Uh, Josh Ohm on Facebook. He wants to know, how do you think the Indians will go, will do after this long period of rest? Will it help or hurt them? I don't uh, think it'd make, I, I, I wanted to try to dig into this. I just didn't know like an efficient way to figure out how many days of rest every team had had without going team by team and clicking and finding out. Um, I don't know. I suspect it doesn't make that big a difference. To me, this feels like one of those, whatever happens becomes the narrative that year, that if the Cubs win, there'll be some amount of, you know, they were able to just keep hot, you know, the Indians cooled off. And if the Indians win, it'll be like, oh, you know, as much as they've used their bullpen, the rest was a key for them. And the story just gets crafted based on the results. Uh, I, I, to me, it's not a significant factor. I think Francona is a good enough manager to keep them mentally sharp. Um, I'm not concerned about the layoff. Yeah, I mean, it can't make the offense any worse than it was in the ALCS. Yeah, it could be cooling off the pitching, but it's also rest for the pitching. And like you just Is that said, really a thing that happens? Does pitching get cooled off? I, I think hitting can, just anecdotally. I think if you're hitting really good and you're feeling good about it, the time off can mess with you. But does that really happen with pitching that often? If you can just yeah, get I don't know. I mean, for the starting out. pitchers, it, you know, they're used to a bunch of days off anyway. And yes, this is going to be a couple extra days off from both. But like, yeah, I just, I don't see it. If they were, like you just said, if they were going to cool off, it would be the offense. And the offense was really cool in the ALCS anyway. So, yeah. And if we're comparing, I would rather have the break than be the closer one. Especially like no matter what, having a know, break. For the Cubs, the break wouldn't have been that big of an advantage because their starting rotation is so deep. It can't really be messed up by, oh, we can't start Lester in game one. Instead, we're going to have to start Jake Arrieta. Uh, you know, for the Indians, the rest <laughs> was a big thing because if the ALCS went seven games and they used Corey Kluber in game seven, well, now Corey Kluber's not pitching until like game three of the World Series. The Indians winning quickly was good for them. Yep, for sure. Uh, next one at Pokey's Little Dog on Twitter. He wants to know, with everyone with everyone in America rooting for the curse to end, will we see those 50-50 pitches be called the Cubs way? They might be, but it's because Joe West is garbage. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think the umps are going to care about the whole 50-50 thing. Nobody's going to bend. You're going to have to, everybody's going to say it is every time there's even a call that's close. <laughs> but I don't think the world is going to make the Cubs win. Yeah, I agree. I, I, the... The notion that the umpires would somehow be rooting for one team, I don't buy into for a single second. There will be a couple bad calls. There'll be a couple replays that we're annoyed with the results of. There'll be balls and strikes we disagree with. Like, that stuff's all just normal. None of it's a sign that there's a conspiracy or some subconscious preference by the umpires. That kind of complaining drives me nuts. Um, So, no, that will not be an issue. Absolutely not. It's going to be an all-time high for that complaining, though. Uh, Bradley Smith on Facebook wants to know, who do you think will pitch more innings in the series, Merritt or Salazar? Ooh, um, I'll say Salazar because, to me, Merritt either pitches three or four innings in game four or he doesn't pitch at all, whereas Salazar could also pitch 
three innings in game four. And if he doesn't, I think Salazar is more likely to be used in relief in one of the other games than Merritt is. Yeah, that's fair. I don't think Merritt's going to pitch a whole lot just because when he starts, I don't think he's going to get to go more than once or twice over in the order again anyway. So if it's Merritt, it's just because Salazar either gets blown up right away and they don't bother or he just doesn't pitch for whatever reason. Yeah. So I'm going to say Salazar, like a 60-40 split that's going to be Salazar. Uh, next one. At oh, BDobNekmukeLL on Twitter wants to know, Oh, do you think the Cubs are letting their fans exchange all their six-month-old Yankee Red Sox gear for World Series apparel? There are a lot of bandwagon Cubs fans, Jason. Yeah, there are. There, <laughs> I, I hate to break it to you. There are a lot of bandwagon Indians fans, too. The, the reason traffic at the site is up so much is people who didn't care about the Indians three months ago suddenly do. Uh, it Jason, it's the excellent writing around the World Series. Jerk. No, that's what provided the boost in the first <laughs> couple months after you replaced me. The initial boost was... Wow, finally someone who can write. The more recent boost is, ooh, I care about the Indians now. No, you're already insulted. Uh, it's over. This is the part of fandom that I'm not good at. This is, and I don't know if it's because I didn't grow up surrounded by other Indians fans. The whole, like, we're better than everyone else's fans doesn't work for me. Um, having grown up in Chicago, I know a lot of Cubs fans who are huge fans. Uh, yes, the Cubs have a ton of bandwagon fans. Uh, although I don't think they were Yankees or Red Sox fans six months ago. They just didn't care. Um, but I don't think I, and I know people are gonna, you are a traitor. I, I don't think Indians fans are better than Cubs fans. Traitor. No, I, <laughs> I said it before. I don't think bandwagon fans are bad at all. Most people, we have circumstances. And if you grew up in a city, you're really a fan, but people outside of the cities, they're probably a fan of that team because they watch them win and they followed it. And like they, they jumped on after a win. They were bandwagon fans. The only ones I kind of don't like are, I've seen people that like, constantly insult baseball but they happen to be around chicago so they're like go cubs crappy cubs fans and some of them are going to be giving me crap at work um <laughs> i don't mind i like that the cubs just have a lot of fans period they play in a huge city and they're the more popular of the two baseball teams in that city um they've created a fun atmosphere at their games that is difficult for other teams to recreate just because of the geography of stadiums um so i'm not saying there are no bad cubs fans but there's a lot of really good cubs fans there's a lot of really knowledgeable cubs fans uh and i will leave the we're better than them to to others and yes i think the cubs will let them exchange reviews. to answer his question some of us aren't going to be rude jason i think they will oh, yes I said, I'm, you're right i did not actually answer <laughs> Poor form on my part. <laughs> Kenny Milliam on Facebook wants to know, is it possible that Jan Gomes plays in any of these games? I like Perez, but Jan's bat is so much better. First of all, listen here, you. Roberto <laughs> Perez's bat is perfect in every single way. No, I don't know. If, if he doesn't need to, I don't know why you would. Has Roberto played every single inning so far in the postseason? Yeah, I think, well, no, but here's to me that the, the difference is the National League Park. Uh, mm. I think Jan Gomes is likely to get into a game at some point because... He'll be used as a pinch hitter or something will happen just because National League parks have sort of different rules, not different rules, but because it's kind of a different flow. So I think Gomes will appear in one, at least one of those games, but that doesn't necessarily mean Perez isn't also going to be playing. I don't think he'll start at catcher in any of the games, uh, but I think he'll bat at some point. Yeah, that's fair. I don't know why you take Roberto Perez unless you absolutely have to. Uh, next one. 
Robbie Strzok on Twitter wants to know, can we expect the Indians to win the battle of the outfield? Offense, defense, base running, etc. So basically he wants us to like break it down. We can just go through real quick and give our picks that will probably be wrong. So like uh, well, better to me just the is no that the Cubs have a better outfield. <laughs> but but we can get into it more now. Okay. Uh yeah, you're right. They they have a better outfield. Everybody had a better outfield. Well, not everybody, but the, without the Brantley, Cubs, the outfield is still weird. Outfield defense is it's incredible. If you were to like, what's the biggest difference between one you know particular area of each team? To me, outfield defense, the Cubs' advantage there is the single biggest. You know, if if you break things down to that level, is a huge advantage for them. You're right, Jason. You mentioned earlier, Jason Hayward is not hitting at all, uh, and hopefully that continues. But is still a great outfielder. Uh, their outfield range is way better than the Indians, uh, and neither team has like a fantastic hitting outfield. So to me, the huge difference in defense is, is the only real factor there, but it's a big factor in the Cubs' favor. Yeah, there are going to be games where it's Tyler Naquin and Coco Crisp in the same outfield. That is not good. There's no coverage and a noodle arm. So <laughs> the the Cubs have a huge outfield or advantage in the outfield. So what about the big four? We'll just go, just give like an Indians or Cubs answer for offense, defense, base running, and pitching. So what about offense? Cubs. Easy one, right? Yeah, Cubs. Defense, that's pretty close. Uh, Cubs? The Indians are really good. The Cubs have the best defense in base. The difference is the, the Cubs have the Indians infield defense, which is great. Right. But then the Cubs also have great outfield defense. I, I'm not. I when I pick the Cubs for defense, I'm not trying to slight the Indians at all. I think the Indians you clearly are the top five defensive teams this year. The Cubs are the best defensive team in baseball this year. Yeah, this is what we we're talking about earlier. It's so hard because they are so much better in a lot of things, which is okay to admit. If the Indians win, they upset them. That's fine, but. Uh, base running, Indians? Indians. Yeah. Uh, we'll do starters and bullpen. So starters as Cubs, right? Yes. And, and and to me, starters would be, it would be close. But to me, starters would be Cubs, even if the Indians were fully healthy. I think the Indians have a great rotation. I think the Cubs have the best rotation in baseball this year. And that's, they're, you know, they're boosted by having the best defense. You know, those those factors obviously connect. Um but the Indians pitching is boosted by its defense, too. So healthy, I think starting pitching is a slight advantage for the Cubs. Uh, as things are currently, I think it's a pretty big advantage for the Cubs. But, you know, Josh Tomlin's been great in the postseason. And all he has to do is have two more good games like he's had so far. And, you know, he's a postseason hero. Yep. But on paper, based on the overall track record of more than just the last two or three weeks, the Cubs rotation is definitely better right now. Yeah, and as far as healthy Salazar goes, if it's like the kind the he's just healthy enough to pitch, but we still have Carrasco, then I think it's still a pretty big advantage for the Cubs. But if he's healthy and pitching the way he was in the first half, then it's pretty close and maybe even the Indians. But almost no matter what, it's the Cubs have a better starting rotation. Bullpen is Indians by a mile, correct? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I I don't think the Cubs have a bad bullpen. I think the Cubs have a better bullpen than Toronto had. Uh, so I don't think the, the Indians advantage is as big as it, as it just was. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the Indians bullpen right now, as long as Andrew Miller's arm doesn't fly off or something in the middle of the series, their, their bullpen, again, this is all just on paper. Anything can happen. Yada, yada, yada. But yeah, base running and bullpen are the two advantages the Indians have. So they've got to press the base running advantage, you know, do what they can. I already talked about against Lester. And then they've got to get games into the late innings close because that's where, you know, they can have a higher probability of winning. Yep. Uh, it's like the, the the Cubs fixed a bad bullpen with a great reliever. The Indians had a not quite as bad bullpen with an even better reliever. So I think it like tilts towards the Indians a little bit. So next question, 
who's our best hitting pitcher? I don't even care. It's Trevor Bauer if he imitates the other batters. Because <laughs> I don't care what the pitchers do with a bat. But if he Josh does Tom a little hand footer. I'll, I'll just so we don't have the same answer, I'll say Josh Tomlin. Okay. <laughs> and but if he does it in the World Series. And think about it this way. Who did Terry Francona hold back for game three when the pitcher will actually bat? He held back Josh Tomlin. <laughs> the goat better. Um, so at EJXD2, one, oh, that was the one we just answered. At Fake M. Weisgarber wants to know, how excited are you at the potential of seeing Cubs fans crying at the stands of the World Series win? I don't think you are at all. I'm not, I don't want to see him legit crying, but I like some sad pans of fans. <laughs> yeah, like, I, uh, I mean, I, what I hope, if the Indians win and win a game in four or five, I mean, that would be super. If the Indians win, I think it's more likely it's game six or game seven, which means it's back in Cleveland. In which case, I hope I'm not really seeing any Cubs fans at all because I hope uh, Indians fans have held on to all their tickets rather than letting Progressive Field become Wrigley East for the World Series. <laughs> yes. Uh, I will tell you, uh, as of last night, out of curiosity, I checked. The cheapest World Series ticket you could get for game one or two in Cleveland was about 750 bucks on StubHub. There we uh, go. Let's, kick to, let's kickstart that. The, the cheapest ticket you could get at Wrigley for game three or game four, standing room, was selling for $2,300 <laughs> on StubHub. So it wow. legitimately would be cheaper for anyone in Chicago to drive or even fly to Cleveland, stay at a four-star hotel downtown, <laughs> and get a ticket to Progressive than it would be to get a ticket to Wrigley. It would. I mean, unless you find like a hotel room that's seventeen hundred dollars, you can get a nice meal and park really close, and yeah. and you get better food if you go to Progressive too. So really, <laughs> if I were a Cubs fan insisting on going to a game, I would be going to Cleveland. Yep. Uh, also from Fake M Wise Garber, if the Cubs lose Game One, do you think the pressure will factor into player performance? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't. I think either. it's a, I, just a narrative thing. Yeah. The Anthony Rizzo's. They, someone asked Anthony Rizzo after they won, like all this history, and his response was something like, "Dude, I'm 27." Which <laughs> is just what you were saying. Like this history is fun for fans to talk about. The media loves to write about it because fans will eat it up. I don't think players and the Cubs care that the Cubs players in the 1930s and 1940s and 1950s. You know, it doesn't matter to them. It has nothing to do with them. If the Cubs lose game one to the extent that there's pressure, it's because either team loses game one, there's more pressure. I don't think the Cubs are going to feel some special pressure. Yeah, I think everybody expects when a player goes on the field, they just like see the awe of the pass of baseball. But no, they're just going to play baseball and go to work. Yeah, they desperately want to win because it would be fun to win. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they don't. I don't think they. I don't think the Indians players do either. I don't think they're worked up about the fact that you know. Jim Tomey and Kenny Lofton weren't able to win it. So, gosh, what if we don't either? I, I, this just, I, I can't believe for a second that's how they approach it or that's what they worry about. Uh, at any 0022 wants to know, is weather going to be a factor in the series? I looked this one up. It might be on Wednesday. Right at 7 o'clock, there's supposed to be a bunch of storms around Cleveland. So if, if it does get delayed, is four games in a row a big advantage to the Cubs or the Indians, you think? Uh, I think it's an advantage to the Cubs because their starting pitching is better. So someone that getting squished together and they don't rely on their bullpen as much. So the day off isn't as significant. You know, they don't have someone like Andrew Miller who the day off allows him to pitch a lot, you know, for three games in a row with the day off in between. So, yeah, I think Indians fans should be hoping there are no, you know, postponements 
postponements that eliminate a day off later on. Um, the Indians have had had snow in the World Series before. I hope it doesn't come to that either. Yeah, it's not supposed to be that cold. At least just rain. Right. Actually. Um, so at Zagrash wants to know, how does it feel knowing that if you win, you'll probably be more, uh, hated far more than appreciated, which is a good point. If the Indians win, they're destroying the Cubs and their story. Don't, don't, don't look at the Indians and their story and winning a championship. It's just the fact that they ruin the Cubs and their story. That's yeah. It will happen, bother me not <laughs> even one slight tiny <laughs> speck of a bit. Nope. I, I won't really bask in it either. I know a lot of Indians fans will bask i'll bask in it prolonging the suffering i won't um <laughs> but it won't bother me in the slightest uh it's not my problem and even if it were the cubs are going to be good for a while the cubs are going to win a world series at yes, some point there's no and pity I'm, for the cubs no matter what. Of it. um so i even if i weren't a cubs fan I, I mean even if i weren't an indians fan i would not be shedding any tears for the cubs if they lose this world series yep i agree uh, at ZZ Cool J21 wants to know <laughs> if the Cubs go up three one, do we start the parade parade planning right away? <laughs> Two in a row. I don't. And if the Indians go up three to one, I will still live in fear of them blowing the lead. And then every Cleveland fan who spent the last yeah. three months <laughs> tweeting three up three one Warriors oh, shoved back so hard uh, is going to be coming back on them, and I'll be furious at them for inviting that <laughs> scorn upon all. Of us so no there will let's i get the question i get why it's funny my serious Great answer question. is no we do not plan the parade until the indians have won four games not a second sooner uh the next one daniel square e wants to know who is the ugliest player on the cubs this is a very important question i don't actually know I'm gonna say it's Chris not anthony Ryan rizzo he's a handsome man says he's the most attractive player on the cubs over uh, anthony rizzo and so I'm oh. just going to go against the crowd and say Chris Bryant is a hideous creature, <laughs> ugliest player, not only in the Cubs but on any team. Um, yeah, he's just got weird eyes. I don't know. I don't know why I'm looking this up, but hold on, come through roster. Let's see. Let's judge some people. I don't know. They're just like normal people. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> nobody who's like the weird looking. If it was the Indians, it's Roberto Perez. It's what? Who's the most attractive player on the Indians? Oh, I don't know. My mom would say Jason Kipnis. Does that count? Well, I mean, that counts for your mom. <laughs> if we were doing ugliest on the Indians, it's pretty obviously Roberto Perez, I think, as much as I love him. He's just a weird-looking dude. But I don't know on the Cubs. That's a weird question. Uh, next one. Our last one, actually. Ryan Floor 4 asks, any chance to think this thing ends in a tie like last night's football game? Yes, it will end in a tie. That's how baseball works. I'm going to insist that we come up with another question. I refuse to end our World Series preview with a question spurred by football. Oh, that's true. Um, so my question... Uh, oh, I skip one on accident that we can do. Oh, all right. Well, then we can go with Well, that. you can do it, and then we'll do this one. Go ahead. I was just going to have to make one up on the fly. I'm, I'm happy oh. to, to go to one that someone else actually gave some thought to. <laughs> okay, so uh, the most obvious one. I skipped it because I was going to save it for the end. Um, at Mark McConnell 24 wants to know, what are your predictions? <laughs> uh, I predict I'm going to spend a lot of the next six to ten days really stressed. Yes. Uh, I predict I'm going to be... Really excited when the Indians are doing well, but also still very nervous. I predict I'm going to feel like the sky is falling if the Cubs get a runner on second base in the first inning. Um, and I predict that some baseball games will be played. 
In terms coming. of an actual prediction for who will win, <laughs> I think I'm expecting you to answer that, Matt. So oh. what's well, your have, prediction? I've picked against the Indians every time. So I don't know. Do I keep doing that just for good luck? Oh, no, that's a good, yes, you do. That's a good angle on it. Then you don't have to seem like you're being a downer. You're just doing <laughs> what's worked in the past. Okay. Good well, then, does it really work, though? Is this like the Luke Hart curse? So I have to believe in it to, to work? This is too much pressure, Jason. <laughs> if they well, lose, you don't, we don't have, no matter what. You just predict it. We'll never know if you're believing it or not. You'll never tell us. Okay. Cubs in five, then. All right. You huge downer, you. <laughs> well, see, now it seems like I'm not believing it, so the curse isn't going to work, and now it's ruined. Well, now it's just your fault if they lose, which is a comfort <laughs> for the rest of us knowing where to target our scorn. <laughs> So this is why those kind of things are fun, like superstitions. But people that take it too seriously, just chill out. <laughs> yeah, I predict I think no one will throw a no-hitter because too many people will jinx it if someone has one going. Yeah. That's how these things work. Although the one time when Carlos Carrasco, I think it was him, he had a perfect game going. I tweeted just so I could get it out there. Like I was going to say it now so I can say it later. He has a perfect game. Like The next pitch, it was gone. I probably ruined that one. Yeah, and you just and you're ruining the World Series for everyone. So this is probably your lot in life is to ruin everything for the rest of us. Well, now you have to make up a question. Go now. All right, Jason Lucart on at Jason Lucart on Twitter asks. <laughs> I'll just plug um, myself like but, Oh, this is an actual good question. I think. What uh, is your ideal scenario for the Indians winning the World Series? In other words, if the Indians are going to win, and you can decide how, whether it's a sweep on a no hitter, whether it's Whatever. What's your perfect scenario for how they win? Roughly three hours after they fly me in and give me like a really good seat to watch. <laughs> That's my perfect scenario. No, I don't want to walk off. I want to blow out in like game six. I do not be that. Blowout in game six to me is weird. I feel like like a blowout in game four where they just annihilate them the entire. Okay, series. that makes sense. Yeah, I just want to blow out. I don't care about close games, and I just I don't like being stressed at the end. <laughs> I don't want to be recapping it either. I want somebody else That's to do fair. it. Just watch it. <laughs> what's yours uh well mine is the opposite in that i'm fully with you i don't want the stress of a close game in the moment but in this scenario i'm mapping out that they're going to win um so while i know i'm going to be stressed out while that's happening the memory of it i know is going to be a positive memory because they're going to win in this scenario if they're going to win some dramatic thing works for me so my dream scenario because it combines a lot of my pet interests in baseball these days. Uh, game seven, uh, the Indians are losing with two outs in the bottom of the ninth. A this Chapman is pitching. Uh, and with uh, two outs, Carlos Santana comes up representing what would be the game-winning run and launches a massive home run off Chapman to win the game, to win the World Series, to make a Chapman the GOAT and to finally make Carlos Santana the beloved figure he deserves to be in Cleveland. Yeah, but then he didn't hit 40 home runs, though. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> what would be the worst way to win? I, I know it's going to be hard to think of a horrible way, but mine would be a bunt. Like, somehow they bunt and they miss a throw, and then everybody's like, see how good bunting is forever? That'd be mine. Maybe the worst way would be some like sort second. of blown call that everyone could rightfully complain about oh, that's for a, a good long one. time to delegitimate. De- de- is what had happened. That never happens with Joe West as an umpire. That wouldn't happen, Jason. <laughs> so that's all our questions. Um, tomorrow or today, it's going to be really exciting. If everything goes well or really terribly, <laughs> we'll record next Monday. I think the series, it goes like next Wednesday for game seven, right? Yeah. It goes pretty far. 
So if everything's really good or really bad, we'll have another podcast next Tuesday. Otherwise, it'll be after the series at some point. Uh, depending on how free you are, maybe we just hop on right afterwards when we're really excited and record a podcast really quick. Uh, yeah, well, let's cross that bridge. You commit right now, Jason. I don't even want to think about what I'm going to do in the moments after they win. That's that's <laughs> too much optimism for me to plan. See, what I'm saying is I guarantee they're going to win, so we got to plan our podcast around it. Did they just make them lose the World Series? You already made them lose the World <laughs> Series. You, can, you can't double down on it. They can't double lose it. <laughs> so normally now I would ask if you have anything exciting coming up, but what are you going to do to kill time between World Series games the next week? Um, all of the stuff I'm supposed to be doing throughout the week will have to be fit into <laughs> yes. outside when the games are playing, outside the two games before, or two hours before and after the games. I really need to clear out from like 5 o'clock on each of those days. So I'm going to have to go do groceries, mow the lawn, get all my grading and planning done, and, and fit that into the small windows when I'm not working and there's no baseball. Yeah, and that sounds about right. My only other minor thing is... I found my old original Xbox and NHL Live 2004. If I find any time, I'll be doing that. That's it. <laughs> Other than writing and stuff. That's a really good game if you ever played it. For some reason, there's always dead bodies all over the ice because like people get knocked down. They just stay there. I don't know why, but I like that game and that sort of happens for some reason. <laughs> if anybody's right. listening and you know why, please tell me why in NHL 2004, when players get knocked down, they just stay there and they don't move. It's really weird. <laughs> okay, so... Uh, World Series. Have fun watching it. Thanks for listening to this, and we'll talk to you next week at some point. Bye.